one of the hardest things when you're starting out on a journey of, of starting a business or changing a job or just starting to think about your life as something that you'd like to build into something else and not just kind of float along is that the hardest thing or one of the hardest things is that where you're going to end up is not going to look like where you start. And that can be confusing because you decide where you're going by looking at where you want to end up. But that doesn't help you sometimes figure out where to start because it's just going to leave you feeling like it's impossible. It's impossible to be qualified for that job. It's impossible to get a business to that level. And it is hard. It's going to take time. More time than you're willing to think it's going to take at this point. Um, but one of the most important mind shifts that I've undergone in the last 10 years, even in the last five years, is just that um, the willingness to admit that where I want to end up changes over time which is a good thing because it helps you get started. You can have a sense that something is the right direction and get started with whatever happens to, whatever opportunity happens to present itself and keep moving in directions that feel like the good directions to move in. And you'll find yourself in five years in a very different place than you could have even articulated back then. I definitely, five years ago, could not have articulated the mix of what I'm doing for a living, nor seen that it was possible to make a living doing things the way that I'm doing them. So it's not like there was some clear path that I could follow. It wasn't like saying, well, I want to be a lawyer, so here's the path. You go to school, then you go to law school, then you get an internship, then you get a whatever, and I don't even know the path, right? But like, for many things in life, there's a clear set of requirements and usually it's clear because they're barriers to entry that are set up by people to keep people out. And when those are there, we think of them as being sort of signposts telling us, go here, go here. But really, uh, we should acknowledge that part of what they are is hurdles that we are being required to jump over in order to do the thing that we want to do. That aside, many things in life don't have those signposts, either because the job is too unique, or it's a business, or um, or it simply hasn't been uh, um, how to describe it. It certainly hasn't been funneled in that way that requires everyone to go in this particular path so that they can be weeded out. And when that's the case, it's important to recognize that the thing you're going to, the opportunity that's going to come your way, particularly if you've decided to live where you want to live, right, either because you already own a house or you just need to stay in a certain area. If you decide that you want to live where you want to live instead of following a career, then the opportunities that come your way have to be you have to think about them extremely carefully 
to make sure you aren't ruling out something that would actually be a good foot in the door to head in a certain direction. Because instead of looking around at the world and saying, where are the opportunities that will move me in the direction I want? You need to look at the opportunities that exist, whether they're ones that you make for yourself or ones that are simply there close enough to you that you can say, okay, so this is, this is the direction I want to move in. And as I've said before, I'm a big advocate of exploring several of those ideas at once. Or as, you know, layering them year after year, new ideas on top of new ideas. Because many of them, through no fault of their own, will be dead ends for you. Either because they don't fit with the life that you want to have, or they weren't what you thought they were, or just it doesn't work out in terms of it not being the right moment, or you don't get the lucky break that you need, or it's not a good fit for you. But, so, so I think it's important to explore ideas and consider turning them into businesses, side hustles, or jobs that you take on. Jobs tend to be more serial because when you are selling your time for money, you sort of, in many instances, you can only do so many of them at a time. But let's say that you have a job that's part-time doesn't fill up your hours, it's not a bad move to look for a second job that would only take up, you know, the period of time that you have, because then you have feelers out in two different directions. And the larger point is that I wish somebody had told me five years ago, don't expect the thing, the opportunity that's going to come your way to look like a clear path to this place that you want to go. But it is momentum forward, and you should take it and keep pushing to see if you can turn it into the thing that you want to do. And at every junction, the question to ask yourself is, what should I do from here? What are my priorities? Is my priority earning money? Is my priority building reputation? Is my priority uh, um, diversifying what my options are? And to take all the little tiny steps that are needed in those... Man, it's just really cold out. I looked at the gauge and it said 20 degrees but this is not 20 degrees it's like 10 degrees um to take all the little steps that will move you forward from that place but so often we are paralyzed by feelings of inadequacy because we are not we're not in a position that was a raven there it goes uh we're not in a position to make the ultimate thing happen that we want to have happen for us. And we look at people who are and say, well, I'm not, I'm not them. And we forget that they weren't them either five years before. And the question to ask yourself when you see someone doing something that you want to do with your life is what were they doing five years before? So to put it bluntly, if you look at me carving spoons for a living and you say, well, I want to do that. The question is not, what am I doing right now? The question is, what was I doing five years ago? And that's the space where many people have not been documenting things uh, enough that you can get helpful answers rather than make you um, scroll all the way back through my Instagram which I'm, and, and see what I was doing five years ago. I'll tell you. 
five years ago, I'd just started to have some success with the spoon carving business, but I also had uh, the Christmas tree farm that I still have, and we had had it at that point for seven years. And and I had a, an, a manuscript, like a scientific manuscript editing business that I ran with my dad. And let's see, five years ago, I think I had just left a seasonal part-time job that sort of brought a bunch of stability and flexibility to my life, but it had turned into something that I didn't want to do. And so I was trying the, my hardest to ramp up the spoon carving. And in order to make ends meet, I was working on the harvest crew of the local farm, largely because it was the thing I felt qualified to do, not because it paid well, it paid a pittance. But it was healthy for me in that it got me out of the house and among other people for a reasonable enough period of time, I think it was two days a week, that it was, it helped replace some of the income that I lost when I quit that part-time seasonal job. We had just bought a house that we couldn't afford the mortgage to unless we sold, unless we um, leased out an in-law apartment in the back, so we were doing that. And I was just at the point where I was starting to think about writing my first book. I hadn't started the magazine, and my sense of how I was going to earn money from carving spoons was entirely, I thought it was going to be entirely carving and selling spoons. And I had no concept that selling spoon blanks and selling wood and teaching was something that I could do. And... Oh, and my wife was in the middle of finishing out her bachelor's. And so I was the sole breadwinner for the family. My kids were in first grade and preschool. <clears throat> and so they were needing a lot more of my attention and were less independent and less helpful in the overall household economy than they are now. And I had a much diminished sense of myself and what I was capable of. I was still two years away from starting my podcast. What I did have was the stability and flexibility provided by having the farm, the editing business, and that allowed me to build up the spoon carving business to what it was. The farm and the editing business I'd had for seven and six years, uh, respectively. And they had been started by looking around and saying, well, how could I make a living here if I want to live here? And we were able to take over the farm from our landlord, even though it wasn't something I had thought about before. And I had explored other ways of making a living when I was in my 20s. Worked for a guy building wooden canvas canoes. That was no good because I didn't like him. Worked for a company doing zipline tour guides and got trained to be a whitewater rafting guide. That was no good because it didn't pay enough and wasn't, there wasn't enough of a career. There wasn't enough upside in it. Even though I saw people making careers in it, it wasn't a career that I wanted. And... I was really kind of stuck and thankfully found that part-time seasonal job 
thought maybe that was going to be the career that I built into, but it only took a year for me to realize how dysfunctional the organization was and that I was awfully glad I had these other options to keep myself from feeling like all my eggs were in that one basket and I'd better shut up and get in line with the program. So I didn't. And I struck out on my own in this way that I thought would help me balance out the the trifecta of businesses. And I didn't realize that it could become as big as it is today. And, but I had tremendous ambition and drive to be able to do it. Ambition's maybe not the right word. I had tremendous pressure that I put on myself to support the family. In retrospect, Cecilia going back to school was one of the best things that ever happened to me because it took me from a place where I was thinking, how can I create a life where the little money I earn will be enough to thinking, how can I earn more money? And how can I do it in a way where I control it and no one can have this power over me that had been abused in a number of different ways over the years by different employees, employers, I'm sorry. Not all of whom were abusive, but some of whom were. And I just didn't like the power dynamic of having someone have leverage over me. So I had tremendous drive to make this thing succeed. And that doesn't mean that I worked 12 hours a day, although I did work very hard and was working in the evenings at editing the manuscripts while I was working all day carving the spoons. But it wasn't, I didn't, I didn't like abandon my family and sort of just put my nose to the grindstone and do the work, but it did. The drive kept me going and kept me pushing and kept me ambitious when I didn't previously have that bone in my body. I'd always been a hard worker and was happy to work hard and, and was smart and capable enough to do well in life, but I didn't have, excuse me, I didn't have the relationship with money that I do now, where I see it as something that is within my control and something where it is, there is no like moral limit to how much I could earn. I remember, I mean, I worked at and sailing ships and farms that pay you an absolute pittance. And I remember thinking that I was only ever going to be worth, you know, $10, $15 an hour. And then I got my first job that earned me $20 an hour. And I thought, oh my God, that's crazy. You know, and then I, then I didn't do that. And I thought, well, that's only for people who do carpentry. You know, that's not going to be me. I'd better get used to earning whatever, $15, $18 an hour. And it wasn't until I had businesses where I could get them far enough along and look at what they were earning and look at the time that I was putting into them and saying, holy cow, you know, I'm earning 30 to $50 an hour here. And that shattered this narrative that I'd created that my time was worth a certain amount of money. And that narrative was holding me back. And... Once that shattered, I started to realize that there are all sorts of ways that we 
shape a narrative about how much we're worth. And sometimes that narrative is based in reality. You know, you, you do have peers who create some sort of comparable price value for what you're bringing to the table. Um, but especially if you work for yourself, and this is why I think side hustles are such a great thing, a good side hustle can decouple your effort from the money that comes in not in all the ways and not all the time and that's not necessarily the most desirable thing but it does make you appreciate that the story you have in your head about how much you're worth is just that a story and what i came to appreciate was how much that was a story that i had created for myself based out of my life's experience and that it didn't necessarily need to be that way So, there's, a, there's, another, there's another, there's a dark side to that though, which is that sometimes people have that awakening, that epiphany of, you know, wow, I've been, I've been undervaluing myself. And what they do is instead of realizing that it's all just uh, relative in a game and you know you how much you earn is sort of depends on how clever you are with your choices and how good you are compared to your peers instead of that they think to themselves I've been undervaluing myself I am worth more and that's a trap because you're not necessarily worth more and chances are if you've just come to the realization that you're worth more you might not actually be worth more the realization you need to come to is i can be worth more that it is within my power to make what i'm offering to the world valuable enough that i am worth more than whatever minimum amount the world has told me that i'm worth but it doesn't mean that you're worth more now and i don't mean this to say this in a way that denigrates the dignity of other human beings, far from it. I think it's actually uh, the dignity of human beings is in recognizing that we can improve and, and that there is no ceiling on how much we can be worth. But it's something that you develop over time. I was about to say earn, but I don't think it's about earning. It's not about, there's no, there's not a moral side to it. And that's the part that got twisted in my head was I had this moral vision that if you earned more than a certain amount, that somehow it was immoral to do that. And, and that was part of what was keeping me down or that I was using to keep myself down. And sometimes when people have this clarity of I am worth more it's it's not actually it is as unhinged from reality as saying I'm not worth more because the truth as far as I've been able to discern it is that you're worth whatever you can make yourself be worth and you can play that game smartly you can play it well or you can play it poorly and quite often people who play it poorly hide from themselves the fact that they are playing it poorly by couching it in moral, a sense of moral righteousness about that. Or moral righteousness about how they should be, they should be paid more. Either one of those things, a righteousness over, over 
doing work that doesn't pay well or a righteousness over feeling like you ought to be worth more, that you are worth more. Um, those come from the same place, which is, um, I think a misconstrued, uh, uh, a response that we have to hiding from ourselves the fact that we have done this to ourselves through our own choices in life. That was certainly the case with me. And it took me letting go of that sense of moral righteousness in both circumstances. Because when I started selling spoons, when I, when I quit that seasonal part-time job and I started selling spoons, I looked around at other people who were selling spoons and I thought, well, they're charging this amount. I should be charging this amount. And damn it, I'm worth it. And I wasn't worth it in retrospect. I didn't understand that I wasn't worth it. But that didn't mean that I couldn't be worth it someday, but that I simply had not set. I had not done the work to actually be worth that price. And, well, and that nearly did me in because I was so busy focused on where I wanted to end up that I didn't pay proper enough attention to where I was and what was going to make that place where I actually was succeed. So it's a real dance and it's, it's a tricky thing. It is not easy to be able to see clearly where you are Come on, dogs, and to see clearly where, where you could be and, and to understand what are the steps you need to do now to, to get yourself where you want to go. But one thing is for sure, it's not going to look like, hey Maisie, come on, let's go. Yo, Maisie, come on. One thing's for sure is that it's not gonna look like where you're gonna be in five years. So stop paying attention to where you wanna be in five years so much. Obviously you need to think about it somewhat and start paying attention to what can I do right now and how can I improve that? Thanks for listening. Talk tomorrow.